passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind a Raw for. Monday, December the 18th. John Pollock waiting with you on a Monday night following Raw, taking place in Des Moines, Iowa. Hello, this is the final Rwanda Raw of 2023. It is. Yes, we are not going to be here next Monday on Christmas night. Did they state anything during the show about what will be on when you tune in next week? Because on the listing, so. like it is a three hour block of Raw on the USA schedule. I pr- presume it's a best of show, but they didn't pay any attention to next week. Some of the greatest moments of the year tune in for nothing. Yeah. It was all day one. Yeah. I mean, chat room, correct me if I'm wrong, but I didn't see anything. You know, all the push was for January the 1st um, and maybe for the best. You know, I don't know how attractive you're basically telling everybody you don't need to watch next week when you tell them that that it's going to be a best of. Right. So maybe they're hoping people just, you know, tune in out of habit and see whatever they see. I mean, you could throw on like some pay-per-view matches. You could, you, you got to fill three hours. So, I mean, they'll do what they will do, but uh, not going to be a night that I imagine too many people will be uh, spending with their family sitting back to watch uh, the best of Raw. But yes, we are not going to be here next Monday. Um, our holiday schedule will be a little uh, in, in flux next week, but we're going to be covering all of the major stuff during Christmas week, including uh, Dynamite, World's End, Everything in between. If it's a new show, we'll probably be covering it. And I don't think you guys will miss us at all because you'll have our Christmas show to listen to. And that'll probably take you um, the next year to <laughs> to get through. Yes, that is going to be dropping on Christmas Eve. And the invitations have been sent out. We are going to see who RSVPs on our ambitious guest list for 2023. But tune in our biggest show of the year, our largest show of the year. Our baddest show of the year. It is the post-wrestling Christmas show. Get ready. This coming Sunday, Christmas Eve. When do you think this one's going to drop around on on Christmas Eve for the travelers out there? I'm maybe Sunday morning. It's it's in your hands way. Okay. You you are the Santa Claus. You deliver the present when you so feel it should be dropped. Sunday morning. Watch for it over uh, on our podcast feeds or YouTube.com slash post-wrestling. Zone out your family and just go into a, a, your basement, turn on your headphones. By the way, I've been getting this buzzing in my AirPods mm. and my wife, uh, thankfully, she went in, she took them to the Apple store, gave me a whole new, brand new set. 
a, like, a brand new here. set. I'll they were like, here, more. here, just take take a new new pair. <sighs> wow. That's a good service. Were, were you Apple. out of warranty or, or within warranty? I, wa- I was within a, within a warranty that expires in, I think, 10 days. Wow. I, you, I got it for Christmas like two years ago or something. Clutch. So, Well, honestly, they're so hard to service. It's probably just cheaper for them to, to just give you a new pair. Cost me nothing. Don't care. But um, this Apple, good things coming for this this company, I think, mm. overall. Okay. Yeah. Good to hear. Well, good to hear uh, some good news for once on one of these. Good pre-handles. news, Pollock. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's 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 going well. Everybody, gonna yeah. gonna re, re, retile my my floor over Christmas. Uh, you know, all the. I ever tell you this story that when I was like eight nine years old, for whatever reason, on New Year's Eve one year, my dad decided he's going to retile our kitchen floor on New Year's Eve. Now I'm not stating he woke up in the morning and decided. No, this was like six o'clock at night. He just decided, I'm going to rip up this entire floor and retile it. Like up into, and we're, I'm just like, what? What are you doing? And it was just the, the most, it, it was like the oddest uh, New Year's Eve um, that, that I, I can recall. He just stayed up till like two in the morning. And then we came next morning, new year, new floor. He did a good job. I guess so. We we kept it there for like a decade, The that that version of our our floor but yeah that was like new year's eve six o'clock like what hits you like want to pull out some champagne Nah, let's get let's just get let's tear up the floor of the kitchen people like to spend their uh free time uh, their own way sometimes it involves uh retiling the floors yes so i hope you have a uh a more entertaining uh christmas slash new year's eve thank you very much i I will well i'll be spending it with you are we hanging out on new year's eve are you coming over? Are the we post wrestling Christmas show? Are you? Ta- what are you talking about? I'm talking about New Year's way. I'm, I'm oh New Year's going a week a week later. I don't even know right now what I'm what doing. What day is New Year's Eve? That's Sunday. Oh right, because uh, day one is January first. That's the Monday. So it's correct. Sunday, yeah. New Year's Eve. That's that's way far in, into the distance. Can't think about that right now. How much wrestling did you watch over this past weekend? I watched the uh, the Jay Briscoe match in the main event from Final Battle, and right. um, that's actually all I caught. I saw most of Final Battle. Um, I was exceptionally busy the, this weekend with uh, various uh, Christmas parties and stuff, but I did manage last night to fit in Collision, and I did want to see that that trios match from uh, Rampage on Friday, which was incredible. Um, and then I saw the whole UFC pay per view, which I mean that was like fifteen hours on on Saturday night. That, that was that was going to be very touch and go if I was going to be able to to see that card, and I managed to, but it was a uh, this was an incredibly difficult juggling act this this past weekend because I had very very little free time. Well, I just had to mortgage my sleep and fit it in. But there was a ridiculous amount of wrestling and MMA this weekend, and we'll talk about it a little later on. The idea of having a more than accessible than usual ROH pay per view slash streaming event going head to head with Rampage and what the effect was on. One or the other. I, I can't say this is when I was watching that zero hour on Friday night and they're teeing up the rampage lineup for later tonight on the pay-per-view pre-show. It's mm-hmm. like, this is insane. Like, this is just in, this is nuts. We're, we're on the pre-show for the pay-per-view and we're teeing up an, an alternate wrestling program that's airing on cable on a, on a different platform. Right. Yeah. Um, 
I, I mean, on some level, maybe they feel like it's it's like other sports where you have multiple games going on at, at the same time and you might promote another game on another channel. I mean, this is the future, John, you know, uh, multiple wrestling shows uh, simultaneously every night of the week, maybe. Maybe one day someone's going to just declare we're creating a new day of the week. We're creating an eighth day. Try to fit that in. That that yeah. could be that could be someone's. Uh... Well, let's hear let's hear some of your thoughts on some of the wrestling you watch this weekend. Well, the, the trios match on on Rampage was amazing. Uh, unfortunately, this rating was not. But the uh, the trios match, I would certainly like that stood out to me. I, w- I would say if if you are cherry picking from this past weekend, I heard the uh, the CMLL card was really a lot of fun on on Friday night. That was going down um, at around the same time as this. But the trios match had it was a uh, Vikingo Commander and Penta losing to Action Andretti and Top Flight and. It was just one spectacular move after the other, and some of the the synchronicity of these six was incredible. Uh, where where they were just, it was just one of those matches where all of them were just transitioning from one to the other. They were all on the same page. Chris Jericho was losing his mind on commentary. By the end of it, he was calling this one of the most spectacular matches he's seen in his life, and he was like really putting it over extremely strong, which. Sometimes that's necessary because like we can see all of this great wrestling, but it kind of takes that emphasis to really make something stand out. And this was the standout match. I mean, this was all I heard about coming out of Wednesday was this was the match of that taping on Wednesday. And it should be said that AEW, I think, had an outstanding series of shows between Dynamite last week that got a lot of positivity from uh, the Rampage tapings that had the trios match. Final Battle was a great show. I I watched the the main event with Athena retaining the championship, the the Jay Briscoe tribute match, and I also saw the uh, Vikingo Black Taurus match. And I have not had a chance to see uh, the the rest of that, but I heard the Survival of the Fittest match was exceptional as well. And then Collision on Saturday night I thought was another great show with Eddie Kingston and Daniel Garcia, and then Brian Danielson and Brody King like. They and they had some great crowds in Texas. So I thought of the four shows, like these were four really strong AEW shows that are uh, that that we got over this past uh, five nights. Not unusual. I mean, at this point, it's sort of expected, you know, um, that any AEW Tony Khan produced show is going to deliver really strong in ring quality i think i'm most impressed to hear rampage getting that level of buzz you know for a show that i think easily would be the one that people would discard the fact that it managed to have a, a one match that that gained enough traction to even be mm, recommended by somebody who's seen what seven hours you know just that weekend um i i think is is really strong for it uh, by the way people who are interested in a review of both final battle and collision john Cena and kate from montreal were working overtime this past week not only covering the five hour roh pay-per-view but collision the night after so go to postwrestlingcafe.com to listen to their very very uh informed thoughts about both of those shows yeah all of these shows we have great rundowns up on the site so go check those out as well We're going to move on over to some of the news items, and we're going to start off with a TNA news story way because Scott Demore was on Busted Open Radio uh, on Monday, and they are teasing a big signing to show up at the January 13th Hard to Kill pay-per-view. Scott Demore said, quote, we are right there at the goal line of finalizing one of, I think, the biggest signings in TNA. I think it's something that's really going to shake things up here on January 13th, and if you've been out there and saying, oh, I'm looking to see some thing, some 
things are different. I think we're giving you a lot. I think Kushida, Bakingo, I think being at the Pearl Theater at the Palms, I think someone who we have in store for you that night is going to blow your socks off. So hmm. he stated we are at the goal line. So I, I, I would I would hope to mean that that is as clear a guarantee that this is a finalized deal, that you have now uh, set the uh, the expectation level at a pretty um, accelerated rate. And I guess this, I mean, TNA, they have really dove into this over the last number of years when there have been WWE cuts of surprises showing up at these pay-per-views and they've had some success based on the hook of who is going to show up. And I don't know how many candidates are out there that are going to qualify to the expectation level that is uh, thrown out there. Um, But let Hmm. the speculation begin. So let's, let's just be clear about the wording here. He says we are at the, we're right at the goal line of finalizing one of one of, I think, the biggest signings in TNA. Okay, so so, he, so he's saying it. It could be debated if this is the biggest signing in in TNA. Exactly. Yes. One of, I think, the biggest signings in TNA. So he said one of. So it could be one of what? Uh, one of two hundred. This know, is why Andrew of. Thompson is the best out there because of his <laughs> emphasis it. on every last word of that came out of Scott Demore's mouth. Right. But um, this does, of course, raise expectations, you know, um, as it's meant to do. And um, they whether or not they're at the goal line, I mean, they're going to have to look, deliver something and, and answer for it. So, you know, there's speculation about who the candidates are that, that are available right now. Um, people bring up uh, uh, names like Dolph Ziggler or uh, Mustafa Ali, you know, people that were a part of that uh, recent WWE crop of um, um, uh, 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 releases. Do any of those which, which their 90 day no competes, I think, are up this week as well. And would you say any of the of that crop qualifies as one of I think the biggest signings in TNA? No, no, I would not. So who? Like if, what, if, what if level? you're saying one of the biggest signings, you would have to be trumping um, Jeff Hardy. You'd have to be trumping Kurt Angle. Um, like that's when you say a line like that, people are going to be buying this pay per view on the expectation that this is like a game changer type of performer that you are signing. Hmm. And yeah. I think, listen, and if you've got your ace in the hole, great. But it, you now have uh, like almost a month that people, those that buy it, you're, you are giving them permission to let their fantasy booking go wild and you better have something to deliver on it. Or because if it is a Dolph Ziggler, that, that will not meet the expectation. If this really does gain traction and there's a lot of intrigue behind this, I mean, we, we will see how much how much buzz TNA can acquire. You've got to remember that since the rebranding announcement, like they got a lot of attention for that. But since that time, there's been like, they have been active doing like final resolution and their European tour, but impact week to week. Like it's kind of been this hodgepodge of matches thrown together uh, because they haven't done any proper uh, tapings since then. So I I would say they have lost a bit of that momentum and that's going to be, going into the pay-per-view of trying to uh, you're basically building it up on the matches that have been announced. And now the surprise factor that they are uh, teasing. I think it'll come back. You know, I think the, the, the week that we're actually met with this particular show, um, I, I hope to see maybe a lot more people uh, attached to TNA do some media like Scott Demore has done. By that point, we'll hopefully be over, you know, um, Wrestle Kingdom and, and a lot of the year end sort of stuff as well. Um, so uh, let's see if they deliver. CJ Perry, this is a, a 
crazy story. So she was down. Um, she was supposed to be in Andrade's corner for Andrade's return to CMLL on Friday. And she had to remove herself from that show due to this infection that she got in her finger that uh, like extended to her arm that she had posted photos of on Friday. And then tonight we got the update from her. Uh, she's she's been in a hospital over the weekend in California and is undergoing surgery tonight. And we have not gotten any um update since then she posted that she was going into surgery this was around like 7 30 p.m eastern tonight so hopefully we will get an update on tuesday but uh, like if you have seen this i mean it's a nasty infection that she has like her finger has just swollen up to be like twice its size so like hopefully it's not some just uh like who knows what it is but hopefully it's just a uh, something that is treated and taken care of quickly Incredibly scary to hear um, that something that might have started with, I don't know, a little cut might have now spread to her arm or has now spread to her arm. Um, very concerning. Very concerning. Absolutely. So, um, you know, hospitalization for something like this is is definitely, um, yeah, something to be concerned about. So we wish her uh, obviously a full recovery and, and hopefully a speedy one as well. And on a similar note, uh, Dave Meltzer provided a bit more information on Charlotte Flair's injury. So as we had kind of assumed on on friday um torn acl torn mcl and meniscus so we heard the timeline given on by wwe of nine months obviously that's going to be contingent on she to our knowledge has not actually undergone the surgery yet but that's going to be pending and then it's the whole recovery process and hopefully it's it's a smooth therapy but it's going to be a a long road back that's a you know significant for, for somebody as well that has um you know she this is a woman that's that's been an athlete for a significant part of her career, even before pro, pro wrestling. And now you're talking 10 years of professional wrestling and uh, going through a, a major recovery on, on top of that for and, um, you know, just her style, too. Like, that's, you know, how much that that could be adjusted. Like, this is going to be a significant injury that she's going to have to uh, come back from. And it's it's going to be a long while before we see her again. Very much so. Yeah, um, I you know, I, I I can't imagine the pain of of an injury like that and continuing to finish the match as she did um, on that edition of SmackDown. Um, you know, it's uh, again, what can you say? But you wish for a speedy recovery. And a few more notes: Access TV has renewed uh, the New Japan Pro Wrestling series. The new deal uh, goes into effect at the beginning of 2024, calling for 45 new episodes, and it will start with three consecutive weeks of Wrestle Kingdom coverage beginning January the 11th which will feature the John Moxley, Will Ospreay, uh, David Finley match. Then January 18th, we'll have Okada and Danielson. And January 25th, we'll have Sonata against Naito. Um, New Japan on access, I mean, it, it is hardly a gigantic uh, ratings mover on, on access. I mean, it does significantly less than Impact does. It does around like 47,000 viewers is sort of the range of what it, what it's at in to- terms of total viewers. I would think that a large portion of the New Japan fan base, they are still watching on New Japan World. Um, but there was a time, like we saw, Access TV was a big gateway for New Japan as they were expanding into the U.S. and getting the shows that at that time were being uh, voiced first by Moro Ronaldo and Josh Barnett, then with uh, Jim Ross getting in- involved as well, and then into... Uh, well, the current commentary will be Walker Stewart and Chris Charlton doing the English voiceovers. But these are very up to date. And I'm curious, Way, like you did like watch some of the earlier access shows. Now they're super up to date. Hmm. Are they almost like for 
for people that are watching New Japan, it's like it's not even as though like if Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay was airing and you had access to access six months later, you might be really into that match. But if I've just watched these like two weeks ago, I don't know if it's like front of mind that I'm checking these out, but I, I guess that's not really who this is for. It's for the the fan out there that doesn't have New Japan World, but it's going to be a very small number that are relying on access to see these matches well context is everything right you know what, what are we talking about um you know an average that uh, a show on access might do in that slot how much is new japan asking for 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 this amount of of content and you know um all all signs point to it being a, a, a worthwhile deal for both companies to continue right so um i i would say it's not really for a a fan like me and a viewer like me especially now with so many hours of professional wrestling to watch um already just even i think paying attention to new japan that's on new japan world might be a bit of a struggle um much less you know something that i i would have to kind of seek separately so but again this is probably for somebody completely separate from who i am and when these Wrestle Kingdom episodes are airing. They're going to coincide with those Las Vegas TV tapings that Okada is going to be part of. So you will have some uh, some kind of crossover p- potentially. SmackDown on Friday night. This was the return of Roman Reigns, and the show did two million two hundred forty thousand viewers and a point five five in the demo. So the viewership was down six percent this week. They were going up against the Lakers and Spurs on ESPN. Um, it was women that were were down across the board from 20 to 22% from last week. But the peak quarter was the Roman Reigns, Randy Orton segment. This was a uh, quarter number two and the start of Carmelo Hayes and Grayson Waller at 2,405,000 viewers. That was the peak in both viewership and the 18 to 49 number. And um, yeah, I mean, th- this, this was still, um, you know, among sports, number one on Friday night, but not getting the big lift. They were coming off that that CM Punk show from the week before the tribute to the troops. But um, this was their lowest 18 to 49 number since November the 3rd. So we are going a, a ways back uh, for, for that. So um, not still fine number for, for SmackDown, but not getting any like appreciable jump, e- even the 2.4 million fine quarter for Roman, but didn't carry the entire show. Rampage on Friday did 308,000 viewers down 10% and the demo 0.08 down 31% from last week. And when it comes to the 18 to 49 number in Rampage on its normal night and time, this was its second lowest ever at uh, it, the number was 107,000 viewers in the 18 to 49 demo. So they were also going up against the NBA, but I would be curious way if you think that ROH played a greater impact here, not being a pay-per-view, but being on honor club and the fact that it, it was the bigger card when you're comparing it to this, even with the buzz the trios match had, like you had, you know, a pretty big lineup when you're adding a Brian Danielson and John Moxley onto final battle. Yeah, really hard for me to say, you know, um, considering it's um, it's honor club um, and it's also ROH. So it's 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 kind of different from, you know, a typical AEW pay-per-view. But personally speaking, I would say yes. You know, I think if you're the type of dedicated fan that is seeking out AEW Rampage on a weekly basis, you're probably aware enough of, you know, um, a product like Ring of Honor, which is essentially ROH. Um, and uh, pay-per-views for Ring of Honor continue to, I think, have a really strong um sort of reputation you know that every single one of them that's occurred under the the tony khan watch has been met with i think praise um maybe not so much interest heading into the the shows but coming out of it there's always something to talk about coming uh and and a certain quality so they still feel like they're must watch um things for especially for an AEW fan 
It's one thought, but also when you look at the Rampage number, the audience that got just decimated this week, it was it was females. Like women 18 to 49 this week were down 59% from last week. Women 35 to 49 were down 67%, which I wouldn't peg as my Honor Club subscribers, but maybe um, maybe Final Battle, they, they tapped into that female viewership. Well, it it they- was a women's main event. I mean, maybe maybe Headline that was the show. culprit here that they they were taking Rampage off and ordering Honor Club, um, but yes, second lowest eighteen to forty nine number uh, of all time for Rampage in its normal slot, and then we go ahead. We have a the next two weeks will be taped editions of NXT that they did last week. So Tuesday night show this week we'll have Ilya Dragunov against Ridge Holland in a non title match, Hank Hank and Tank taking on Mark Coffey and Wolfgang, Tatum Paxley against Nikita Lyons. The breakout tournament way, you're going to get to see Tavion Heights against Luca Crisofino and Dion Lennox against Lexus King. Mouthful there. I love those names. Dragon Lee, Charlie Dempsey, and Joe Coffey in a triple threat for the North American title. Kiana James and Izzy Dame against JC Jane and Thea Hale. Izzy Dame and JC Jane with Kiana James. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Fallon Henley against uh, Tiffany Stratton. That's on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, Dynamite. It is. Uh, the final round robin matches for the Gold League with Roosh against Swerve, John Moxley against Jay White, and Jay Lethal against Mark Briscoe. So Moxley is at 12 points and he is taking on Jay White. So if Moxley wins, White is gone. Um, Swerve needs to win to stay alive as well. Um, so Swerve and Jay need to win to stay alive. Moxley is in already. Well, that's what they have stated. I don't quite understand how that works because if Moxley loses to Jay White on Wednesday and Swerve wins, they'll all have 12 points. And Moxley has a win over Swerve, but Jay White would have the win over Moxley. So I don't quite understand how that tiebreaker would work if we had a three-way tie. Because each would have a win over the other one of the other participants with 12 points. My belief is that Moxley and Swerve are winning these matches on Wednesday and they're advancing. Right. That's right. Yeah, I don't think you'll get uh, a confusing three-way tie situation um, in the first, you know, Continental Classic. So maybe based off of that alone, I expect a pretty simple maybe outcome. Um, and what if, what if it's a three-way tie and we have to go past the tiebreaker into uh, further math? So QT Marshall comes out and explains how it works. Um, probably not happening now. No. And then Jay Lethal and Mark Briscoe, someone's going to get two, uh, three points. That's what uh, we will take from that. Soraya against Riho with the winner facing Tony Storm at the pay-per-view. And Roderick Strong against Commander in Oklahoma City on Wednesday night for the Holiday Bash. All right. Cool. All right. With all that, uh, you can go check out all the latest news up at postwrestling.com. And we will let our listeners slash viewers out there know that on Wednesday, Wednesday, we will be giving out tickets to the Iron Claw uh, to theaters across Canada. Correct way? Cineplex. Cineplex, uh, Cineplex. theaters across Canada. Yeah. The so. best. The best theater chain out there. Let's be honest. Really? <laughs> well, unless anyone else wants to sponsor. <laughs> they're not necessarily sponsoring. It's the dis- film distributors. Oh, okay. Um, they're doing it. So, so. I mean, whatever. I'll stop talking. Ways they're, and pretty much, the they're pretty much the only game in town. Like they kind of have a, a bit of a monopoly here in Canada. Anyway, so you can uh, we'll, we'll be giving uh, three pairs of tickets away to the Iron Claw, and you can kind of you can watch it at any point during the run of engagement. So wherever you live, 
uh, anytime you want, as long as the movie's in theaters at any Cineplex. Tune in Wednesday, find out how you can win. Okay. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Into Raw we go on Monday night from the Wells Fargo Arena in Des Moines. And the Judgment Day start things off, teeing up the match that Balor and Priest have with the Creeds. And Ripley cutting a promo on Ivy Nile when R-Truth is out and asks them why they left him backstage. He likes opening up the show and thought he passed the initiation last week when they beat him up. And he is... He is just cutting this promo, and Damian Priest is about to break on live television. He has to turn around, and it was so funny because Truth is just stating that, I know you like me. I can see it in your eyes. And, dude, Priest had to just turn away because it was so (laughs) – it was really hard for this guy to keep a straight face. I thought this was greatly entertaining. And Truth says he needs an opponent, and he stares down J.D., and proposes a miracle on 34th Street Fight. And JD mentions, that's already been booked. And yes, they've been advertising this for several hours. So Truth then says, well, we better get going. And he asks Siri where 34th Street is, how far it is from Des Moines. JD repeats, you are not part of the Judgment Day. And this is going to be a loser leaves Judgment Day match. And Priest agrees with Truth's idea to make this loser leaves Judgment Day, and the match is set. You know, um, our Truth has really been the same character for several years now. He's kind of been like you know the jester of the show. Um, he was the same character with Carmella. He was, was certainly the, the star, I guess you could argue, of the twenty four seven division playing this character. And throughout that entire run, I mean, he's been a fine sort of like you know undercard um, mainstay. Now he's essentially in involved with the main faction in what I would deem to be kind of like a principal role, you know, uh, on this particular show. And I actually like him better right now. For whatever reason, he just fits really well with the chemistry of the Judgment Day. And in fact, I think he enhances and accentuates maybe, I don't know, the appeal of, of a Judgment Day in a very similar way to how Sami Zayn, what Sami Zayn did for the Bloodline. Um, the Bloodline before Sami Zayn, I thought they were fine. But um, Sami Zayn, I think, brought out a, a certain, um, I don't know, maybe a bit of a sense of humor and, and funness attached to those segments. And I think R-Truth is doing the same here for the Judgment Day. For whatever reason, it really works. Reactions from these audiences are very large for R-Truth. And um, I love that they're continuing it because I thought after last week it was done. But clearly there's they're doing a, a lot more of this. There, he, he's certainly somebody that you can definitely use if you want to eventually like use him to gain this like great amount of sympathy that the crowd has with with this individual and whether you have Damian Priest as sort of the guy that that this guy's kind of grown on him like we were kind of suggesting like maybe JD gets into that role where Damian finally accepts this guy Um, but now you have our truth that it's I I think that it does assist Judgment Day for some of these like I I wouldn't even say that they're like 
like throwaway comedy stuff. Like there can be something of substance that comes out of this at, at some point when you're ready to do something significant with the Judgment Day and you have this sympathetic figure that no one else in the Judgment Day really is. Totally, totally. I don't really get concerned that like they're doing too much goofy stuff with this because I think number one, what what matters the most is that you're getting people to care. You're getting people to um, maybe, you know, attach feelings to relationships within the Judgment Day. And then much like they did with Sammy and the Bloodline, you can turn it serious and you can turn it into a feud. Now, I'm not really suggesting that like an R-Truth, you know, headlining pay-per-view program against anybody, but you could not like you like you maybe suggested use an R-Truth to help priest turn baby face or 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 one of the other members turn into a bigger baby face i think there's potential there and i'm happy to see them continue with this so we go into the miracle on 34th street fight and dude our truth is like moving around with like a scissors kick and this guy wade barrett mentions like we knew he tore his quad um this his last match was november 1st of last year so this is his first match back he had three surgeries for this torn quad over this last uh, 13 months. And guy was moving around totally fine in, in, in this match. Mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought this was like one of the better, like our truth performances I have seen in some time. Like he had like a regular match with a, with JD McDonough. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was maybe more com- comedic, but I, I, I wouldn't really say like he looks any off, like he's not off at all from how he was prior to surgery. And at his age, it's all the more impressive. So Truth uh, does a spot where he runs the ropes and Dom goes to trip him and sends Truth crashing down and headbutts JD in his groin and then sends Dominic into the steps and Truth gets out a fire extinguisher to use that. Truth uses a Christmas tree, places JD on the table, and then JD attacks him on the turnbuckle, rips off R Truth's shirt, and pulls him. And Truth crashes on top of JD through the desk. They're both out, and Truth lands on top and pins him in 954 as they proclaim that JD McDonough is out of the Judgment Day. I, I was a little confused with, with the finish. Like, was there supposed to be a headbutt, or, or, or did did he just kind of fall into him? What exactly happened? With I didn't think it looked all as they maybe intended it to be, but the way I took it was that JD was supposed to, like, pull, and the momentum was going to cause him to go through the table, but he's holding on to Truth, who's going to fluke his way into the win. But it it came off a little bit contrived, the way it happened with the with the shirt and such, but... Not like this stipulation mattered because they just uh, they just erased it about two. Hours it mattered ago. for r truth, who now be- like has reason to actually believe that he he's that much for you know um, a, a, of a permanent member of the Judgment Day. So I, I think as a way to continue the story, I I enjoyed this. I thought it was a fun slapsticky type of match that thoroughly seemed to engage the crowd. Um, and again, I, I'm happy that this is continuing. Katana Chance and Caden Carter stated that they are under their electric sky and it's time to party. Yeah, I think electric. Is that like a festival or something? Electric sky. Um, Sure. Yeah. Okay. whatever. Yes, uh, it's an electronic music and arts festival. Okay. well, from Saskatchewan, that can't be the one that they went to, could it? Um, Whatever. Doesn't matter. Nia Jax walks out and Becky comes out. Jack states she's entering the Royal Rumble. No one reacts to this. And Becky points out no one cares. And Jack says, they're scared to put me in the ring with you because you're the moneymaker around here. And I would squash your face again. Becky says, I am the moneymaker. But your existence has been living off 
of other people. First, your cousins, now me. Your only claim to fame is that you broke my nose and it'll all go away if I beat you. So that's why you're avoiding facing me. So she challenges her on the spot. And Nia calls for a referee, sends the referee out, but she fakes going into the ring. It will happen on my terms. And Nia says she will face Becky in her hometown of San Diego on January 1st and is going to make Becky uglier than usual, make her hideous for her daughter. So Becky comes after her, attacks, but gets knocked down with one shot by Nia. I thought it was like a good segment that, you know, effectively expanded on some of these stories that they introduced last week in their first Parbo segment. I like the idea of Nia arguing that Becky has been sheltered essentially from facing her by the company because they don't want her getting hurt. And obviously you could take that in a non kayfabe way as well. They don't want their moneymaker to work with the person who's known to injure all of her opponents. But I think it also works in kayfabe terms. You know, um, you can uh, like this happens. It doesn't necessarily happen in the UFC, but but maybe there have been accusations of, of, you know, champions or money, money draws being sheltered from opponents who could beat them. And I think you can um, interpret that from Naya's words here. I thought Becky, as usual, demonstrated really good fire and, um, you know, her signature confidence in her retorts. This, again, is like some of the more believable and and fired up we've seen becky lynch all year so what's going to happen in naya's hometown they're going to beat her in her hometown didn't we suggest that becky loses this first match i did i I still think they should do it i agree i mean obviously as a heel like it could be through nefarious means but i think you want to keep this going i think there's enough there i think i think this is your potentially like your february pay-per-view match and that's becky's springboard uh Mm -hmm. she gets the big win they can have an involvement with each other at the rumble might even take each other out to build to that match so yeah something like that diy meet up with their uh their new best friend the miz and they all shake hands champa says last week was awesome and then jackie redman who was uh, dressed up like a like a present uh asks the miz about the gunther rematch And he says that Gunther's foundation is cracked. I rattled him and I'm going to finish what I started to become a nine time champion. And that takes us to the intercontinental title match between Gunther and the Miz. And for the next 21 minutes, I I think this man just, uh, he, he solidified his new legacy. The Miz. Yes. (laughs) People, people are going to bring up, up until this point in his career, when you say, well, what's the best match the Miz has been in? And don't say Dolph Ziggler. You're going to be like, oh, well, I was going to say Dolph Ziggler. Well, now you have another name that you can state because I believe that we saw the best match in the Miz's career tonight. I completely agree. Um, I wouldn't have given you that answer because I don't really remember any sort of significant um, Miz, Miz match. I'll take I don't know if you were watching all the pay-per-views at this point, but they did like a title versus career match about uh, six, seven years ago. And it was excellent. It was like 19 minutes and you had like Dolph's career on the line. It was a great match. It's like your go-to Miz match. If you're going to name one, I think this is, this, this replaces it. This okay. at worst, it's equal. Right. So Gunther catches Miz with this huge chop on the floor and then lifts him up. And uh, man, we were, we, we almost had a uh, Rhea Ripley Maxine moment here. I was having flashbacks as he had to go a second time to lift up Miz, but uh, this match turned out a lot better than a Rhea Ripley and Maxine. So apron bombs Miz to set up the commercial, a visual that will never, if I continue this job until I'm 80 years old, if way says to me, remember that time that Gunther 
took his arms and mimicked the Miz's big balls, I'll say, yeah, that happened on December 18th, 2023, where Gunther is mocking Miz by holding his make-believe balls. Uh-huh. You know, if he showed up maybe a few years earlier, that that could have been his character. Oh, big balls, Walter? Sure, yeah. Okay. Miz gets to his feet. He's firing back with chops. And whenever Miz would get some offense, Gunther would just kill him with something. This this one was oh an God, uppercut. Somebody grabbed a still. <laughs> this was I. This image was stuck in my head the entire night of watching this guy <laughs> making the gesture of his giant balls to a downed Miz. That it's actually intimidating when Gunther does it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Gunther misses, uh, th- dude, the favorite spot, other than uh, someone running their shoulder into their post, I think their favorite spot at the moment is someone getting out of the way and you chop the post, uh, which is what they did here. Uh, but then it was pretty much the whole key to victory for Miz was this injured hand of Gunther that he would attack. He stomped the hand. Miz pulling out his satellite DDT, not even a pay-per-view going all out here. Gunther cuts him off with a shotgun dropkick, hits the power bomb for a two count right into the Boston Crab. And Miz is trying to get to the rope. Gunther has to let go of one of the legs because the hand is too hurt to hold on to the Boston Crab. And Miz gets out of the hold, counters a sleeper on Gunther by rolling on top, and then he hits the skull crushing finale. When Gunther kicks out, dude, this was this crowd, they believed the Miz was winning this match with the skull crushing finale. And these final minutes, this whole crowd, they were like, it might happen. It might happen with the Miz. Yeah. I mean, I'm about as like, I think jaded of, of a wrestling fan as, as you can be. And um, there's no logical way that they would have ever, ever, ever had Gunther lose this championship reign on Raw against the Miz. But there was a 0.0001% chance that they could have. And I bought into that 0.0.1% chance in this one moment. This match was was that good. Gunther kicks out of the skull-crushing finale and then comes back with a giant lariat. He's taking the Miz's kicks. And then he stops Gunther on the turnbuckle and hits a super skull-crushing finale off the second turnbuckle, but Gunther rolls to the floor, and the boos from this crowd that Gunther escaped defeat, and then Miz rolls Gunther into the ring, and when Miz rolls himself in, he gets caught with a powerbomb, and then Gunther hits a Rainmaker before hitting a second powerbomb and pins the Miz in 21 minutes and 10 seconds. This match was excellent. It was outstanding. Yeah. I was pretty high up on on their um, pay-per-view match. I think a lot more than a lot of other people. This one blew that match out of the water. I thought this match was... That match was certainly missing maybe that exhaustive, like, chop fest we've come to expect from, like, a Gunther match. This match had that. It had everything you wanted from a Gunther match. You know, a great story attached to it as well with his injured hand. And I thought it had some fantastic false finishes from The Miz that I can't believe I actually even, you know, marginally, like, bought into. This is, for me as well, the best match I've seen of The Miz's career. Let's just say singles match because, yeah, he's been in rumbles and things like that that you might have liked better but as a singles match that he was one half of a responsible for this was completely up there and i think this is one of gunther's 
greatest accomplishments during his WWE run as well. This entire feud with the Miz, and let's give credit to the Miz for you know playing his end of uh, of the uh, of, of the build up to to this entire um you know two two sets this of matches. This has been a program that has benefited both guys. It's it's brought Miz up to a level. It's made Gunther, I think, feel like this has been like this has hardly been just like some pit stop time killer program for him that this easily could have been if you were going to tell us we're going to get two months out of the Miz and Gunther and and stretch this out uh to this point this does feel like the end of it but man I I think the Miz comes out of this with like he's in a real good standing I think coming out of a of a program like this and I I think this was just an excellent excellent uh match and uh, if we're comparing to like, uh, I'm with you. I thought this this blew the uh, Survivor Series match uh, way out of the water. And this had like my usual complaint of like, you interrupt the flow. They had two commercial breaks to contend with here. But mm-hmm. man, this, this crowd, they were, you know, they were like simmering along. And then once we got into the near falls, like this was, this crowd was very much believing in the Miz winning this. So that, that added to it uh, as well. So great match. If you missed this on Monday. Mm-hmm. They did a feature on the Creeds and Gunther gets backstage. He's applauded by Kaiser and Vinci. Kaiser said that was stellar. And Gunther just right back into his regular character says the two of them have no reason to be jolly. I'm the only one contributing. Last year was a write-off for you two. I'm stepping away for a few weeks to recharge and I expect you to grind and work hard while I'm gone. And this is where Vinci should have piped in and been like, the best of show next week you know um, we're not going to be grinding no one's going to be grinding here and uh that was that so i guess gunther i don't know when we're going to see him next it's like well be- he said a couple weeks off so i'm assuming he's not going to be on day one either so um it'll probably be the week after that throughout the night we got kofi claus as kofi kingston was dressed as santa and he comes in and Imperium have no time for this guy. And Kofi says he got Kaiser a gift and Kaiser's facials are very good. He's like, he's momentarily like intrigued that he's got a gift here and it's a lump of coal, which he just throws down onto the floor. He is so angry at this and stares down Kofi. You ever, yeah. Uh, have you ever got coal for Christmas? I never have. No, no, I have not. Um, that'd be quite, quite the effort. Like we're what you'd buy a whole bag of coal just to give one piece to somebody. How, how do you don't? even interpret that? Like you, you get coal in your stocking. Like at what point are like, I don't like, even have, I don't, we like, how, never, like that, that forces like a conversation. I would say like your, your kid's going to be like, why? Like what, where did I fail this year? It's like, well, we're going to have a tough conversation here on Christmas morning about you screwing up. That like, could be the intent though. Like, let's say, you know, your kid did something terrible, you know, that, that that he needs to learn a lesson from this year. Would you do coal in the stocking? Maybe that's a November 25th discussion, not a December 25th one. Right. You, you would think. But we're going to go from that match to one of the greatest segments in American professional wrestling history. It is Shinsuke Nakamura's The American Nightmare Before Christmas. And he pulls up this book. And he's got the cookies and the milk. Um, this is a beautiful set that was apparently just in the backstage area, as we would learn. And yes, folks, I have got this word for word. Twas the week before Christmas, and all out from my mouth came a warning to Cody that Shinsuke would pounce. While your daughter is nestled all snug in her bed, and visions of championships dance through your head, 
Shinsuke is plotting to live out your story, to ruin your plans and extinguish your glory. The nightmare is over. The nightmare is through. The mist burns its eyes, for the nightmare is you. You bastard! You cancer! You prance! You nitwit! Your vomit! You're stupid! Your father was inbred. <laughs> we just went from zero to 60 here. My goal is to see that you're living in fright. Merry Christmas to you. I will be your last fight. <laughs> this guy has been one of my favorite things in all of pro wrestling this year. I did. This was just tremendous. I, I thought it was very well written and very well produced. Um, and I don't, don't throw a butt away. <laughs> please. Sorry. Come on. I love this. It was very good. I thought it very clever. The American nightmare before Christmas. Ha ha. Um, my issue with it is that it didn't feel authentic to me. Like I can't, I can't buy these. I can't buy this coming from Shinsuke Nakamura. He wrote you know? this all week long. Okay. Yeah. You think he used this thesaurus and, and just found, found the perfect rhyme. I mean, I, I don't doubt he possibly could, but I thought the other videos um, of this Nakamura character have, you know, felt like words that were actually his. And of course they were in Japanese. And I'm, I'm not saying like that you can find ways for Nakamura to speak English in a segment that um, feels authentic, but it's hard to do it. And I understand the struggle because it's hard to do it in a creative way. Like they decided to do it here. This fit the holiday theme. I thought it was the right choice. Um, but to me, it was it was actually a bit of a step down from the the usual in terms of authenticity. Happy holidays, everyone! Well, Wade just put a Wade just put a piece of coal in this in my in my stocking. Uh, Cody clearly had more of Wade's reaction to this story as he jumps in and attacks Nakamura. I like how Cody waited till the story was done. Like, do you think he was just off to like? Uh, off camera and by the time he's like let let's hear this one out and then once he got to you, you bastard you cancer your father was an inbred it's like all right that's it and uh cody and attacked- worked really hard on it so he's gonna let him finish yeah they should sell these books at, at the live events over the the holiday tour so they fight into the backstage area then into the crowd cody dives onto nakamura the whole crowd is chanting for cody and as he goes for the crossroads on the desk security saves nakamura and uh, I thought they were going to set this up for, for day one, but they did not announce that for January 1st. But I can certainly see this happening, if not on January 1st, one of those other Raws before the Rumble. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably with some kind of stipulation attached to it. The goggles match. Uh, you know, and now they can um, maybe do a, a, a poem okay. match, you know, a haiku match. Even. Okay. A lot of things they could play with. Maybe he does a it, it, it's a Cody AEW rebuttal. Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Where he, uh, talks about heel turns and nomenclature, <laughs> things like that. Tumbling class. Um, then they, they dedicated like a whole block, not a block, but like they, they shouted out Trish Stratus's birthday. Like just happy they, birthday. They did it with Steve Austin as well, which is kind of peculiar. They, they don't usually, um, recognize birthdays I, I unless they've done it for Dwayne Johnson maybe like maybe if you're a certain level of status you get your birthday announced you get a birthday shout out I mean <laughs> like they're not yeah. even like active on on the on the show but it was just like this is nice nice to just say happy birthday here's a graphic could be could be that you know could be what maybe them wanting them to be future active uh members of the roster yes I wonder um all right I will wrestle at WrestleMania because you wish me happy birthday. Now, um, my 
my question to you would be if you are um, Trish Stratus and Steve Austin having the same birthday. Yeah. What do you think Rob Van Dam thought today? <laughs> it was it his birthday too. When he Uh-oh. turned uh, 53 today. Well, clearly, I mean, not on the level of, of those two. He also has like a bit of a, an existing relationship with AEW. He's uh, I mean, he's in their, their hall of fame, but I guess, I guess, a, yeah, a I guess part timer at AEW right now. I guess. Yeah. He did a, he did a couple appearances. I guess that's, that's it. Right. That's you, probably you're, more. You're off the birthday list. That's what they're saying. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Chelsea Green and Piper Niven against. Katana. Do you think they need to dedicate a birthday section to, to everybody that's ever been? been I on think the they've now they've opened up a hornet's nest. Okay, <laughs> do you know how many talents are going to now expect this? And when they yeah. don't get it, it's like you're not of a certain level to us that you're we're right. going to shout out your birthday. So listen, you start once every ten minutes a birthday mention for alumni. Hey, they've they've got the time now. You, now you've got to be great ambassadors for all your past talent. Chelsea Green and Piper Niven against Katana Chance and Caden Carter. Um, they tried for the after party, but Green stopped things. And then Piper hit a double Vader bomb onto both women. They go to the break. Niven then misses Carter, splashes her partner. And Carter hits a running boot onto Green and a spinning leg drop off the middle rope. Um, and then Chelsea Green busts out the radio silence on onto uh, Carter here. Carter lands a super kick on Niven and then... We now have the name for this uh, this fi- this uh, finisher of theirs the the handstand off the shoulders. It's the keg stand. The keg stand, yeah. Uh, I I I like it. Okay. Do you um, do you? Sure. As long as they have a name, so I don't have to just describe this literally every time I see it. It's a tough move to describe if someone hasn't seen it. But the keg they're, stand. They're partiers, and um, they, I guess it looks like a keg stand, which would make what um, Caden Carter the keg. Um, good friends. See you tonight. See you tonight. <laughs> Brandon, last show of the year, folks. Uh, Chance New Jersey would get that one. Nobody Chance else stuffs the unprettier with a lung blower, and then they hit the after party onto Chelsea Green, and they win the match in nine minutes and thirty-seven seconds. New champion, new champions. Chance and Carter. I thought it was a good match. I thought these four did well. Of course, in particular, you have to talk about um, you know, this this being um the the match for the new champions here in, in Chanton Carter. I thought they had a pretty good stand-up performance in ring. I think it didn't take much for them to already feel like the best tag team in the division because they were one of the few actual tag teams in the in the division. Um, but from the moment they showed up, I mean they were like pretty much the only team with like tandem offense. And, and, and that you know they were the only team that really kind of put any real effort into like maybe like a unified look and, and a unified product um but it shouldn't take away from i think the amount of creativity and athleticism that they put into their in-ring style so they they've been holding off i would say on like a championship win uh for for these two um and and it's here i only wish it came with a bit more build and a bit more personality sort of introduction beyond we like to party you know, I, I I I wish we felt a bit more motivation from them um, heading into this particular match, but hopefully now that they the, the spotlight is on them, um, they can you know start start at least afterwards. Um, I think there's space on this roster for a character like Chelsea Green. She's highly entertaining, very effective in those backstage segments, but it shouldn't be as the champion of 
this division. So hopefully with this change, there's a lot more focus on the in-ring product now in the, in the tag team division, you have potential matches out there with fire and Dawn and also the Kabuki warriors as well. So um, hopefully they're getting serious now with the tag division. This ends the second longest reign of the women's tag team championships in, in the titles history. Who's the longest? curious the longest were the kabuki warriors as as i uh look here at these numbers they held the titles uh from october 9th 2019 to march 26th of 2020 so maybe they 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 were only like uh two and a half weeks away from the record all right okay so ivy nile is training with alpha academy she's ready for rhea ripley her goal in 2024 is to become women's champion and tozawa notes i've got a match tonight with ivar so at the prompting of his name, Ivar walks in with Valhalla, stares at him, says nothing, and walks out. So we've got this match happening. Kant and Carter are congratulated backstage by the entire women's division. There were uh, three teams here. And then Kofi Claus, who asks what they want for Christmas. And they state, I think we're happy with what we have. And Chant says to Candice LeRae, dreams do come true. And we're going to party. Mm-hmm. Of course. Which it's, a, it's a little thing, but maybe maybe the after party, like, should that be the name of, like, your finisher? That is the prelude to the finish. Well, doesn't the finish, if you're successful at hitting it, initiate the after party? Um, I don't think the move then should be called that. I think that should be, oh. you know, like, like last call or. Um... Last call happens after the after party, doesn't it? No, no. Well, it depends. It happens on, during uh, the after party. The, the first party is last call. And then you go to the after party where there's probably no last call. You're thinking of after hours. That's a whole nother move. Okay. Well, that listen, that's another one that they could come up with. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they're off the party. Uh, Natalia, Tegan Knox, Shayna Baszler, and Zoe Stark remain just questioning everything. And they state, well, they're going to need some new challengers. Baszler says, I was thinking the same thing. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I only laugh because like I'm I'm brought back. I mean, number one, it was it was your sort of um recap of it, and like you sounded so unimpressed. And then I'm just thinking back to the segment and how un- unimpressive it really was. It was just kind of your. I'm just forced... I'm just reciting verbatim what I was told. Like it was just that... a, like really awfully forced trash talk, you know, at the end of the segment. So um, they're trying to rebuild this division, you know um. They have a long ways to go. Ivar took on Akira Tozawa. They had a pretty fun match here for four minutes. Um, there was a pop-up by Ivar into a spike DDT by Tozawa and then runs into the seated senton by Ivar. Ivar misses a splash off the top, so then Tozawa struggled and ripped his shirt off. Valhalla gets on the apron, so Maxine gets involved, yanking her down, and then Valhalla runs at Maxine, who sidesteps, and that lays out Valhalla through the barricade. Tozawa, uh, Ivar was just unconscious on the mat for like, uh, you know, an hour here while Tozawa then changed his focus from the women, hit this giant senton, uh, but uh, gets a two count, eats a spin kick, and then the top rope Rana by Tozawa gets blocked, and Ivar hits a world's strongest slam off the buckle to win in four minutes and nine seconds. Short, but a a fun match between the two. yeah, an entertaining David Goliath match. I think Tazawa put into this role is 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 really awesome. Great like speed and and fire that works really well with I guess this comedic and lovable character that he has essentially just kind of like doing his best to you know t- take down this boulder of a man in um um uh, Ivar. So 
I, I don't know if this is um I mean what is this leading to? You know the rest of Alpha Academy is is Ivar just going to do the Alpha Academy gauntlet? Um maybe Has, Eric will end up in in Alpha Academy. You think so? Or Otis becomes a Viking. Could be. Any of those things. They recap CM Punk joining the Raw roster and his confrontation with Seth Rollins. No CM Punk on the show, uh, which he was not advertised for. But nonetheless, it was um, uh, I'm sure people were curious if he was going to be on this show. Rollins comes out at the start of the third hour and mentions being from Iowa. And he goes to speak about Drew McIntyre, who promptly comes out to speak with Rollins. And he is proud of Seth. A lot of guys are kissing CM Punk's ass, but not Seth, who told him the truth. You're a real leader. And he mentions that Drew, that is, was home recently, sees his family. His father is getting older, and it's forced him to ask him himself, is this all worth it? And Seth can relate because it's the same for Becky Lynch, whose family is also across the world while she's here living out her dream. And you miss out on big events. Then your parents start to get sick. He mentions his mother, Becky's dad, and their parents would tell them, don't come home, chase your dreams, but then suddenly they aren't here anymore. Drew says, I don't want that title. I need that title to make all these sacrifices worth it. And I'm willing to hurt you, Seth, and I'm going to take that title at day one. And Rollins gets a chance to respond, and he says, I want to believe you, but your actions and words have not lined up lately. I respect you, Drew. You worked your way back to this title match, but what is different this time? You always want to shift the blame. You need to take responsibilities for your actions. And the only person keeping Drew McIntyre from being a champion is Drew McIntyre. And he said, last week, I told a man to his face that I hated him and I meant it. Drew, I don't hate you. I pity you. Which was another line of Hangman Pages in the promo with CM Punk. I didn't even realize that. Yes, that was pointed out. And he wishes Drew a Merry Christmas. And as he goes to leave, Drew grabs him, but Rollins is ready, strikes back, super kicks him, and then dives onto Drew on the floor. But Drew gets the advantage and ends it with an inverted Alabama slam to Seth onto the stairs. And Seth is clutching his left arm as they set this up for January 1st. I thought Drew's promo tonight was was outstanding. I mean, he's been outstanding these entire months ever since he's adopted this sort of um well at the time tweener, I would say pretty much full on heel right now. But his demeanor and his I think personality is, is still very much somebody who truly believes that he is right, you know, to and not strictly heel. Like he'll come out here and almost like maybe in in in, in a in a way that he believes in, he will respect Seth Rollins and give him congratulations for t- speaking up to CM Punk. But then he'll give this like incredibly heartfelt, I think very believable, you know, explanation for why he might be acting the way that he has. And this was, I thought the, the quality of a promo that I, I wasn't even expecting from um, this show, much less, you know, like a guy who's already like, you know, in, in the midst of like the run of his career, in my opinion, it was real and emotional. And I thought logically brilliant as a plea and a threat at the same time to his opponent by linking his own struggles and motivations as an expat to his wife, Seth Ron's wife, who also happens to be an expat going through the very same real tragedy, you know, sufferings and, and tragedies like, you know, as, as Drew has um, with 
it, 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 loved ones who are ill or 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 have maybe recently passed um i thought it was like very real and maybe very clever to be able to draw that association to the point where i was almost a little disappointed that like seth didn't address that promo and those aspects of the promo directly like seth i think had a decent retort but it was pretty much like stop making excuses you know and 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 i pity you which are strong lines but i thought it would have been stronger had he directly answered for some of the things that um drew brought up about becky's wife the fact that seth had to be there through to support becky for all those things um I feel like Seth could have at least said a, a little bit more to to tell Drew why he's wrong, or at least he's not completely right in thinking he's justified for cheating based off of those reasons. Well, I think that was worked in at the beginning where he states that I wish I could just take you at your word and my heart would go out with you. But he's stating that like you, I, I, I don't lying? trust. I, I don't trust what you're stating is that you're you're stating this for like at face value that you're trying to get into my head or that you. So are, are we to believe that drew is lying about having not that he's members? lying. We, we know these are true stories, yes. uh, but what is, what is Drew's motivation for using this two weeks before a title match? Is he using it for, but as well, he gives this heartwarming story, but then his actions is like, he is willing to cheat to, to, get get one up and but drew basically admits that i have to do everything i have to because i need this championship to justify or or to show for my sacrifices to the people back home he basically blatantly said yes i'm willing to cheat so i don't think i I think that's the intriguing part of this character is that you will have people that think that this is a um like an honorable figure and you'll have others that don't. And I think they're, they're like, this is not like your, your cookie cutter, like a baby face or a heel, but I don't look at that as like a negative with drew. Like there are like, great. this guy is part of, about him. This guy is true to his beliefs mm-hmm. and whether the audience agrees with them or not. Um, that is, that is for you to decide. And they're kind yeah. of playing with that. Like there is a certain belief that, yes this this title is what is uh this guy's motivation and however he can win this title is is justified because overall he's a he's a stand-up individual yeah by introducing this this knowledge of like you know um at least on screen of like you know drew having um ill family uh, members at at home i think it actually like recontextualizes a lot of like his story over the past year uh especially like why he's so angry at jay uso because he had his chance of winning his championship in front of his family and that was taken away from him and you know now it may never be replicated again um you can understand why this man would be driven into like this level of psychosis so like again he the fact that i'm even talking at this like level for a professional wrestling show on raw i think says a lot about how much how great this drew character um continues to be it is like very similar to what we had just recently with the Ilya Dragunov Baron Corbin lead up where it was like the heel and Baron Corbin is like pretty much making fun of this guy that your family is back home and you're living here in Florida. You can't even see your child. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it was just interesting to see the, uh, the the comparison there. Cody meets up with the Creeds, thanks them for last week and wishes them luck in the tag title match. And the Creeds just geek out that, that Cody knows their name. Kofi Claus comes out to hand out more gifts and he's jumped by Imperium. So Jay Uso runs out to deliver what Wade called season's yeetings. 
and we get the impromptu match between Jay and Kaiser with uh, Kaiser in control, sends Jay to the floor. After the commercial break, Jay comes back. Uso Splash gets stopped when Vinci shoves him off, and then Kofi runs back down, taking out Vinci with the trouble in paradise and leads to Jay spearing Kaiser and hitting the splash in 10 minutes and 21 seconds. So Kaiser fails again, but Gunther did say um, to keep grinding in the upcoming weeks. So he, t- tonight doesn't count. It starts tomorrow, right? That's when the grinding begins. Oh, I guess so. I guess so. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it just seemed like a match that was there to further the Kaiser and, and Vinci, you know, getting deeper into like Gunther's bad books story. Jay, at this point, I, I don't know if he has any sort of program that we're, that's really on the surface. Um, I would imagine he might be just the guy who's in the rumble for the cycle. Yeah. I, I see Jay probably being in the rumble. And if you want to mm-hmm. do something with Jimmy, you could kick it off there in the, in the rumble. Yeah. Both guys are in there. Judgment day are laughing over JD losing to our truth, but Rhea said it reflects badly on them. And Drew saying, Hey, that was the stipulation. He's out. But Rhea basically says to cut the crap and uh, to tell them to stop. And he is still in the group for now. And Rhea announces she will defend her title against Ivy Nile at day one so the lineup for san diego in two weeks seth rollins and drew mcintyre ripley and nile becky lynch against nia Jax, and we're getting it two contenders only one winner Shayna baszler and zoe stark against tegan knox and natalia that's it yes mm-hmm. day one yeah they're i mean they're they're definitely making an effort to make this feel like a, a above average show they're giving you a world championship match nia becky which is a match that they've been holding off on for quite a while um and and Rhea defending as well so with this year being a a leap year next year it'll go it'll skip twice so day one will be on wednesday so interesting will 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 a new will a wwe show be on wednesday next year to get the day one title that's a great question we'll find out could be i guess we won't um will we in 2025 january 1st that's when is when are the new deals kicking yeah, they'll be that they they September. end at the end of uh, the, the SmackDown and Raw deals end at the end of September of 2024. So, yes, right. we'll be into the new deals. NXT will be on CW by then. Uh, Finn Balor, Damian Priest against the Creeds for the undisputed tag titles. Uh, they went to the break early. Um, it took a while to get the crowd into this one. And the Creeds definitely felt very, um, very stationary, I would say, early. But then once they it was like. As soon as they teased that Brutus ball, it was like the audience kind of, whether it was like they just believed, oh, maybe we're going to get another title sh- change on this show. Um, but they really got uh, invested into like the home stretch of this match. Um, but Julius gets tagged and he starts hitting his belly to bellies. The straps come down and he hits a standing shooting star. Michael Cole is just blown away by this guy. And then Priest shoves Brutus to stop the Brutus ball. Ripley goes after Niall, but then Niall lifts her up on her shoulders. And <laughs> Niall is not the biggest woman, but when she lifts Rhea Ripley, who is a very tall woman, I mean, this just looked ridiculous of her lifting her on her shoulders and dropping her on this apron. The Brutus ball is hit to Balor, and Priest makes the save. And from this point, the crowd, I think, was much more buying of the Creeds here as live challengers. So Julius counters a South of Heaven, scales his way to the top, and then delivers a cannonball dive to the floor. Balor cuts off Brutus with a sling blade and shotgun drop kick. And then Julius scales to the top, 
and Priest takes him off on his shoulders. There's a reversal, and they hit the Brutus ball onto Priest. And while going for the pin, Balor leaps off the top with the coup de grace, breaking up the cover. All four men are down, and then Brutus and Balor tackle one another to the floor. South of Heaven is delivered to Julius, and Priest gets the pin, and Julius gets his shoulder up pretty much right at the count of three at 16 minutes and 21 seconds. So I I thought this one really took some time to get going, but I would say the last five minutes um, was the the, the strong part of the match. I agree. First half of the bench didn't do much for me. And um, I don't know if that was just a a lack of energy for myself after these, you know, two and a half hours, or maybe a lack of energy from the crowd who was kind of going through the same thing. Um, Coupled with the fact that I think the creeds, while maybe impressive for like a debuting team, are still pretty far from like you know world title uh, contender level for a tag team title so i maybe it for that reason got a while to to get my interest in but once they got into the near falls everything was clicking really well creeds have a lot of potential in ring uh, i thought they structured you know a really strong close um but i would still say the creeds are maybe you know still a bit too underdeveloped at the moment to lead the division um but they were good enough to have a pretty strong main event overall by the end And overall, I would say the introduction of them onto the main roster has been very good. Like they're doing a lot to even here in losing, like they did a lot to protect them. Michael Cole was like, like the, the ending, like was Cole predicting these two will be champions, just not today. Like they, they really went out of their way to put the spotlight on the creeds, even in defeat here. And whether or not they, they play up the, uh, the, the shoulder deal at at the end with, with Julius as some kind of a out or something. I was a little surprised by that. Um, it, it was odd. It was not like the announcers paid any attention to it. And it's really not like a babyface move to kind of and, and it was kind of li- like it felt like it was even like after the three that he got it up. So, it so was, part of me wonders, again, we're, we're reviewing this right after the show. Part of me wonders if, if it was um, unintentional or at least not to, not supposed to happen. Like you heard you saw priest yelling <laughs> something. So I don't okay, know. I, I didn't see that. But yeah, it was not like Cole or Barrett pointed to that. It was just they treated it like a clean win for the judgment day. Hmm. Yeah. So there you have it. That was raw um highlighted by the Miz and Gunther and twas the nightmare before Christmas. I will uh, maybe exchange that personally for me with uh, the Drew McIntyre promo against Seth Rollins. But I guess a number of highlights to choose from. But I certainly co-sign with um, the Miz versus Gunther. Um, Worth going out of your way, especially if you're a Miz fan. And yeah, and I'm... I'm looking forward to where like Chance and Carter getting like a real shot with these titles and to have some what what could be some very entertaining television matches like this is this is the team I would want on on Raw to have these titles that hopefully they can build to some level of of degree because these titles have I mean the for the majority of their existence they have not been very prestigious titles. I would say the goal for the division at the moment should be to um, build an enticing program for WrestleMania. You know, like they're they're doing this right before uh, pretty much like Rumble season and then heading into WrestleMania in that space of time. Can they drive up en- enough interest in this tag team division to create a compelling and sort of um, anticipated matchup? Well, they have they did do the promo on Friday with damage control and the Kabuki Warriors wanting to go mm-hmm. for those tag titles. And this pairing seems a lot more appealing uh, to, to go that direction. And that yeah. doesn't have to be something you do immediately either. We could hold off on that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. So that was raw. Uh, we are now going to go off to some feedback before we uh, 
wrap things up. If you uh, want to throw in any questions, you're welcome to do so. But let us check in with Manny from Pacoima. Right, let's check in first, John, with some Super Chats because we have a couple here. And we first go to John Taylor. Thank you very much for the $5 Super Chat, John. He says, only one show that matters on Christmas, the post-wrestling Christmas show. You've got John it. Taylor, he knows where it's at. I mean, this yeah. year, you know, Nick Khan sat down and he said, you know what? This is this is not a competitive battle that we're 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 this is a sprint. Or sorry, this is a marathon, not a sprint. That's right. That is correct. Thank you very much, John Taylor. Yes, the post wrestling Christmas show coming out New Year's Eve, Sunday. Christmas so check, Eve way. Sorry, Christmas Eve. Uh, gotta get gotta get that right. All right. Andy sends a hundred rupees super chat to say, What were the hallmarks of Prime Gato's booking? And do you see his influences in Tony Khan and Triple H? How would you contrast Triple H and Tony Khan's styles and happy holidays? Um, okay, bunch of questions to that. Um, so for me, the, like the first thing that stands out, and, and this is only because it's recent, but um, the fact that Cody and Roman is now essentially a two-year build. You know, you have Cody all the way going up to the main event of WrestleMania failing just so that he you can peak that main event again that much hotter, hopefully, this coming year. I mean, that's exactly what, what Gato has done in the past, you know, with year-long builds of, of a baby face that might be unsuccessful or a heel that might be unsuccessful and then having the challenge, doing the rematch a, a whole year later at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, I mean, to me, some of Ghetto's like year-to-year stuff where you would see, you know, for instance, like um, where, where we saw like Naito lose on the big stage and it was like in the moment you're looking at, oh, what a you kind of have this idea that it's like everything was centered around this, but it's like he, he was booking at a much larger picture knowing that the big outcome is going to come, but it's part of the, and, and we, we see that to a degree with, with other bookers, the idea of first you have to have that. And we can compare it to Cody last year, that big disappointment that will then make the win all that much more because we've dangled it. We've shown you how, what it means to that person to win. And we take it back from you and make you want it more. Hopefully now you can mess up the timing. If things are not, you know, if the audience doesn't want to wait and you miss your peak, that's, that's the key to everything is, is timing. You can wait too long for something. Injuries as well, John, you know, it's, it's a very difficult thing to be able to commit to. I mean, we, we all saw these sort of complaints. I mean, we probably complained, you know, coming off of last year's WrestleMania, well, I guess still this year's WrestleMania um, after that result. And it, I think it continues maybe to be debated up until this point of whether or not Cody should have won. But I think as we approached WrestleMania and maybe the reality of this rematch actually taking place, I think we're like, we can all maybe say, I, at least I would say that that was the right decision. I feel Cody is still hot enough. And when they really ramp up that program, the small interactions we've had between Roman and Cody have, have really been fantastic. Like, you know, that, that just even that one exchange that they've had. So I have no doubt they'll be able to do a great job of um, heading to WrestleMania. And it's a type of booking that's very difficult and requires a lot of commitment and faith. And um, Vince certainly did, hasn't shown that patience. Before. Yeah. Um, I, I would say to to Tony Khan's style of booking, like I think it is it's it's to everyone's different mileage, but it's like he has this giant roster and I think he has a lot of different stories that characters it's not the traditional all the time where you will have your core characters that are pretty much going to be your regular presence, but then you will have some that you might not revisit something for a while and for some people it's out of sight out of mind that you're going to forget like what's going on with these people and you tie it together 
but it's like this huge world of characters that they do have links to one another and they're pretty good about bringing up like history like this past weekend on tv we had red velvet and anna J, and they're showing highlights of a match they had in september of 2020 to uh, give you a reason for this match happening three years later for instance so personally i don't know if like those are ever like intentionally done or or if they're more you know brought up as a result of the match that was made and somebody doing research and saying oh these two have had a match before oh i'm sure it's the latter i don't think he was booking in 2020 for we'll we'll do this one in three years but it's it's something where instead of just throwing this match out cold let's just give hey she lost this last time under these circumstances and she wants this win back. And it's been three years since that. It's like, okay, I have, there's a reason now for Anna J and red velvet for six minutes on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and maybe in general, if we're comparing Tony Khan and triple H, I, or essentially AEW in, in modern day, day WWE, like it still seems maybe to me, AEW has a bit more of a slant towards matches first. And what looks maybe good on on a rundown and and on paper first in terms of match quality, and then you might have you know stories that or, or maybe sometimes lack thereof, yeah, um, to kind of build up to whatever card you're going to get. Whereas I I do still see WWE more as a story first promotion, um, where you might get a, a lot more ma- rematches or or just sort of um I don't know squash matches even um in, in the build up to, with with the focus of a of a main story and a final pairing in mind. Thanks a lot, Andy, for the super chat. Let's go to Brandon finally with a $10 super chat. And what does Brandon have to say for these $10? You hear a knock on your door. You think it's your Instacart order. You open it. A man in a hood greets you. It's David Goggins. And he asks you to run to Sudbury. Would you? Um, no, I, w- I would scream at the top of my lungs and see if he responds uh, in kind. Are you familiar with David Goggins? I have no idea who David Goggins is. This was um, – um, he's an interesting character that was uh, enlisted by Tony Ferguson for this last training camp and then uh, cornered Tony Ferguson this past Saturday um, and led him to his, his seventh consecutive loss. But this is this is a guy who pretty much basically um, doesn't believe in, like, physical weakness. He will, like – break break you out of out of weakness or um the idea that that your mind will um get, give up on you um he just puts you through these like wars of con- conditioning drills uh of such but um i i can't say i'm i'm that familiar with david goggins but he was there front and center on saturday okay and you would run to sudbury if he told you no no i i would not i would i would accept weakness and say no i'm not i'm not running to sudbury i would I would I would tell him to get off my property that late into the evening. Yes, I'm not interested in this. Manny from Pacoima writes, two great championship matches tonight. Gunther and the Miz was fantastic and once again had me believing maybe Miz would pull it off. Gunther having so many moves in his arsenal that can defeat his opponents at any time sets him apart and makes him a big threat. The Creeds versus JD started or Judgment Day started off a bit slow, but once it picked up, the pace made for a great match. Mascar Dorada is the new CMLL historic welterweight champion. Really enjoy seeing the post Twitter account posting results from the show. Also, shout out to Nakamura's poetry skills. Your vomit, your stupid, your father was inbred. Bars. Let's go finally to Muggin, who says the Judgment Day ended the year still ruling the roost. But the finish with Julius's shoulder being up after the three count makes a rematch necessary for New Year's Day. Miz did, in fact, come and play, arguably, 
did in fact come to play in arguably the best match of his career against Gunther. It was top notch. Shinsuke's Christmas story was vicious and the holiday street fight was good fun. A lot of that is due to our truth. It was neat to see Chelsea Green play a homage to her husband during the women's tag title match. That was cool. Yes. All right. Well, thank you everyone for the feedback, the super chats tonight. Uh, coming up this week. So on Wednesday, we're going to be uh, giving out Iron Claw tickets to Cineplex Theaters in Canada. And then on Thursday, it is the final mailbag show of the year with the Ask Away Mailbag Show. So if you want to get your questions in, go to forum.postwrestling.com, post your questions. We will get to all of them on Thursday so that we empty the mailbag as the year ends. You can also send audio questions to memo.fm slash postwrestling. It's free to submit a question and we answer them all on the mailbag question. And uh, final thing, Thursday is also the deadline for the post-wrestling jingle contest. So if you are thinking of submitting for the jingle contest, uh, it closes this coming Thursday. Again, the thread is there. It is uh, pinned at the top of the forum at forum.postwrestling.com. Submit your jingle and we will go through each of the submissions on the Christmas show coming up on Christmas Eve. So uh, lots to come this week, and then uh, no rewind to Raw next week. But then uh, the first week of the year, we will be back to our regular schedule, uh, beginning with day one of 366 next year. We start the clock. All right. All set. That is it for us as the clock ticks past 1230 on the East Coast. Good night. Goodbye. Twas a night, the nightmare before Christmas, and to all, a good night. <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.